David's getting in the zone. I'm Amazon. Are you in the Amazon? I'm just the big corporate (laughs) player in this this podcast. You can just leave. Go into a desert. Listen, Chad, I didn't wake up early on the weekend that we lose an hour of sleep to just leave. Yeah, I'm sorry about this, guys. I didn't know. I've been up for four hours. It's not that bad. Get with it. I watched the movie this morning. Wait, really? Hello and welcome to the Amped About Movies podcast. Today we'll be discussing the 2020 Golden Globe winning film Nomadland. This movie was written by Chloe Zhao, the screenplay, and Jessica Brutter, the book, directed by Chloe Zhao, and stars Francis McDormand, David Strathairn, and Linda May. For a quick plot synopsis, after losing everything in the Great Recession, a woman embarks on a journey through the American West, living as a van-dwelling modern-day nomad. So... Next week, we'll be watching the 2018 film Free Solo, which is currently available on Disney+. Feel free to watch it in advance if you'd like to get in on the discussion. And please feel free to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out with understanding how we're doing. And you can email us at ampedaboutmovies at gmail.com to give us suggestions or leave your thoughts on this episode. We will absolutely be reading those emails, and we'll probably bring them up in future episodes. All right, so I'm going to hand it off to Colin to give his first impressions of this film, and I'm very curious to hear what you think. Yeah, thanks, David. This film, I feel like, is the the best way to describe it is just authentic. I feel like that was the the like kind of the emotion that conveys the most throughout watching the movie. It's it does not shy away from the the nitty gritty of you know living in a van. I feel like especially I feel like now there's like a lot of romanticism around van life. Like people are on like YouTube, they have a whole like series and Instagrams and stuff. True. They're like, it's Very true. great. Like, I open up my back door and I just see Mount Rainier. And it's amazing. Yeah. And yeah. then like this movie's like, you can choose between shitting in the five pound, five gallon bucket, the two gallon bucket. And if you can't bend over because your knees are bad, because you're <laughs> 75, uh, we got the seven gallon bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's I don't know. I, I feel like it presenting like presenting the movie in that way. And also like not even having it be like overly... Uh, like a lot of exposition explaining like why these people are out here, but having them just be like authentic and, and just showing mm-hmm. their lives and you kind of put it together as you watch it. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it gives you the feeling that everyone's just like, it, it, it's very raw. Almost, It feels like a documentary almost. Yeah. Especially like between every character you're talking to, like it's, I think they're telling personal stories and David, you can tell me more to just kind of clarify that. Is that the way it was filmed? Yeah, that's a really great point. It's a, it's not a documentary, but it really walks that line because they interviewed a lot of real people and had them basically portray car- or characterized versions of themselves. So a lot of the actors in this film are real people who are basically playing themselves. And that directly comes through in the movie. Like you can, like there was a point in the the film when I was watching it was I was like, wow, these people are amazing. I can't believe they took like a script and like kind of really made it this and you could really tell and i think that's when it clicked with me when i realized i was like no these people are just telling their own life story and that's the reason why it just feels so authentic it, it mm-hmm. feels like it's like i don't know it feels like you're just like evolved what acting is because it's yeah it's not even someone pretending to be someone else that's really good at pretending to be someone else it's them being them and you can really 
it sounds like you're just talking to like a, a like a family member and like yeah. really can tell that emotion i think it, yeah. that was incredible yeah um, and we were talking before the we started recording the podcast about how the narrative structure was kind of weird it wasn't mm -hmm. like it you could definitely follow it and but it was just it, it, a lot of like this happened and this happened and this happened with a like a little bit of stringing in between and i think that's the reason why that's the movie was set up is because they wanted to show these like amazing kind of little i don't know like character novellas for each person and i think it, it it worked very well and i don't know it makes me not want to live in a van it makes me very mm -hmm. appreciative for all the things i do have and <laughs> I thought it was, I don't know, I think that the end of the movie when she finally shows up and she's like in a big loving family home and, and you like they're passing around the food and like you could really tell like, oh wow, like, this is special. Now I really, yeah, you kind of take stock in the, the journey because you, you saw her like eating beans and like freezing and <laughs> people helping her along the way. Mm -hmm. um, and then I feel like it really resonates throughout. And then you finally get to understand like why she's doing it with her life yeah. lost her husband and really getting to hear that. And also having um, her talk to like the, the RV guru, the Santa Claus guy and yeah. talking about how he started his journey. Cause his son um, like took his life and he wanted to like make something special out of the, the days that he had left too. And I don't know. I, I think it's, it's especially, this is really important during like COVID time. Cause I feel like it's similar to the recession. People are, have a lot of like, Kind of general waywardness and maybe hopelessness compared to, you know, during other times in the mm -hmm. last, you know, couple of years. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I I think it was a really well put together movie. I think it was really emotional and raw. And I don't know. I, I'm very looking forward to um, what this director will do moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I agree entirely with it's very raw and realistic, which honestly kind of made it a little hard to watch at some points for me oh yeah it it definitely bummed me out like yeah <laughs> at times yeah. like you it was to a point where you were like oh man like this isn't like it's i feel like a lot of the time you're watching a movie and you want like escapism and you want like you're like oh okay i want to get out of what my apartment is and like think about it you know what if you're watching a avengers movie you're like i want to think about superheroes and aliens and whatever this one is like it takes you from your apartment to like even more of like a <laughs> like a <laughs> place and you're like oh god yeah you know it's funny because i've really really been interested in at some point making my own van and basically being a nomad and it really reminded me that there's such a gap between like i don't know white collar people that are in like up, upper middle class and people that just i mean she has to go from place to place taking up whatever job she can get and especially after the great recession it's, it was really hard for her to find a job which is really well portrayed in this film and whereas in my fantasy of driving across the land, I'm like working from my computer every day and then just like exploring during the rest of the night or whatever. And it's just it's just so much different, especially through the female lens, too, which I think was interesting right. for me, because one thing that I didn't really think about in my life as much, I feel like, is, is just general safety. Whereas throughout this film, several times I was genuinely concerned for her because I don't know I've been watching other van YouTubers and stuff like that, and they, they have like bear bear spray and like mace in their truck to defend themselves while they're sleeping because if someone tries to break in like you're right there right. and uh i don't know i just feel like again i that's just kind of like the gap but it's just made me it was a lot of things to reflect on and think about during this film which was kind I of i liked how heavy. they i liked how they showed like the the really fancy rv 
when they went yeah. to like, the art show. And then you could be like, it's, it's very similar to like how people romanticize like going out west and like, oh, we're just gonna go see the mountains and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like that's essentially you're just driving an apartment on wheels yeah. that's like a quarter million dollars around. And then right. comparing to like what they're dealing with, which is exactly what you're saying, just being an, essentially homeless, but in a van. Yeah, yeah. And she's like very particular about that. Not, I'm not homeless. I'm just not in a home. Right. Like, I'm houseless. In a house. Yeah, I'm houseless. Yeah. So I, I don't know there's a lot of really cool stuff to to think about in this film. So I, I agree with you, though, on the acting. I gave the acting a 10. That was like my highest. Oh, was, I just really loved the acting in this film. Yeah, it was astounding. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to pass it over to Chad. What did you think about this film? Well, you know, I definitely agree with a lot with what Colin and, and you were saying, David. It's a little bit of a mixed bag for me. I liked it a lot, but I wouldn't say that I loved it. I definitely think that there were some really strong aspects to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely the acting was super strong. I mean, it was really great performances all around. Like, there was never, even though I knew I'm like, oh, these are like very, very like famous actors. Like, and sometimes for me, it's like a struggle for those types of actors to like shed that, like, oh, I'm very famous to like take on these roles of like mm-hmm. being homeless or in poverty. Cause like, mm-hmm. that's just such a like, you have to make such a leap in logic to be like, I know that this person is very, very rich and very, very famous, but like they're portraying this role. Yeah. And then, I don't know. Maybe, maybe most people don't have that like suspension of disbelief problem. But like for me, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like I know you're like super famous. Like you wouldn't, you know, be in this situation, but I thought mm-hmm. that the actors did such a great job of shedding that and taking on this persona of being someone who has very, very little and is living this nomadic lifestyle and has experienced these types of things that only people who live this type of lifestyle experience. So I, I thought the acting was phenomenal because I felt like that was, especially like for me coming into this, going to be tough for me to be like, I can see these people living this lifestyle. So I, I agree very much with that. It was really, right. really well done. Yeah. I, I, and for reference, this is the second Francis McDormand film we've watched with the first being Fargo. Definitely a very different film for her. You bet. Yeah. <laughs> almost right. unrecognizable between the two for me like it yeah. was really like great i didn't acting. pick it up until i watched the credits and it was saying francis mcdormand scrolling by and i'm like wait <laughs> where do i know that name from yeah oh, anyway. I, I was blown away i also really liked the way that it was shot i mean definitely one mm. of the big themes of the movie was like it's all about like experiencing beauty and these once in a lifetime experiences that you're not going to be able to get if you just live at your house like really living off the land and becoming one with nature. And they really tried to capture that through the camera work of like absolutely gorgeous shots of the mountains of the desert mm-hmm. of the sunrise and the sunset. And that really came through for me of like, this is part of the reason why people might choose to live this lifestyle. If they're not forced into it, like they want this aspect of it. The things that, I mean, I, there's some stuff that I didn't love. Like it felt like, felt like every person that she came across out in like the general population was really, really nice and like really, really helpful. And like, you know, Mm -hmm. even the people who are like, Hey, you can't sleep here overnight. They're like, tap, tap, tap. Like, Hey, no overnight parking. Like you gotta go. Yeah. And I was like, it seemed a little, even, even though it was really gritty and raw in a lot of places, I still felt like it romanticized that lifestyle just a touch too much. Like Mm. you were saying like, she like had struggles finding jobs, but like, 
I never felt like that. It just seemed like she bounced from job to job whenever she felt like it more than like struggled to find work. I know she didn't have a lot of like finances saved up or money in the bank or, mm-hmm. you know, cash like tucked under the mattress. But mm-hmm. I still never felt like throughout the movie, she was extremely unemployed. Like she like literally had no work and was like nothing going on. Yeah. I mean, she struggled fair. to get like good work, you know, yeah. I mean, like you yeah. can yeah. get a job, but like it doesn't pay very much. Right. She yeah. went to that one office and she was like, oh, the, the woman was like, oh, you should retire. And she was like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, right. Which I, is like, I, I agree. She, it's kind of funny how she's like, oh, I'm just going to go up to Nebraska. It's beat season. And then you're like, mm-hmm. how the hell do you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're a beat person now. But yeah, I, we're definitely I, yeah. dropping in, in the middle of the story a little bit. Yeah. That. I guess they showed underemployment really well as opposed to unemployment. Right. Um, and you can be underemployed and still homeless. And I mean, right. working minimum wage is barely enough to survive. So Papa I, Bezos in the, <laughs> the Amazon. <laughs> yeah. So Chad, I, I, yeah, go I totally yeah. agree with that point. I, you, I completely agree that there, this movie did a great job at taking down how van life is romanticized and showing the rawness and the really gritty aspects of it. But at the same time, not everybody is going to be that nice. Uh, David, I believe that you talked about dangers early on, holding, mm-hmm. having mace and, and uh, other protective uh, gear. And I felt that Fern was never in real danger in the movie, that yeah. she never encountered any danger, whether she was being, she feared for her life by people coming up to her van that were trying to rob her or just people being mean to lower class houseless people. Mm-hmm. Everyone that she came up, up to, whether it was people that she uh, at the parks where she was working, whether it was fellow van life people or well, not van life, but fellow people living in 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 homes or um, automated vehicles or even the homeless guy that was chilling, just chilling by the fire who asked yeah. her for a cigarette. Like everybody was nice, which I feel is very unrealistic of real well, life. I think it was she mostly interacted with people on her same like economic level. I think there was camaraderie amongst people who were all nomads or homeless. And then it kind of showed that when she went to her sister's house and then like her sister and her brother-in-law like were a little weird, but then her brother her sister still liked her and like you could tell there was kind of a disconnect. Like she, she had some animosity towards the uh, real estate agent cuz she was like like and then she was like, oh, why would I ever put all my money into a house? And, you know, like, that's such a silly thing to do. And then, like, her brother-in-law was like, we can't all just put our things in a van and, and get out. And she was like, take that back. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. There was definitely, like, some tension in that scene. But I do agree with Hunter that I kept waiting for the shoe to drop. Like, I kept waiting for right. something no, to sense. happen. And it was really that tension, I feel, that made me it made it really hard for me to watch this film. I actually had to take several breaks. I watched it over the course of like three days, just watch, like watching it a little bit here, a little bit there, especially it was, it was combined like that apprehension on my part, but also just the fact that there was a lot going on in this film. Like there's almost two entirely different plots going on at the same time. It's like the documentary style plot of, you know, telling this tale and what it's like to be a nomad and, you know, how the, great recession impacted people and then there's also the side the other completely major plot of fern who is she what is what is her goal like what does she want from this what does she need and uh her as a character finding that fulfillment at the end kind of didn't exactly align 
with what I expected the film to be about. So that made it kind of hard to piece together what this film is really trying to tell me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anyway, so I, I, I want to hand it back over to our next viewer. Uh, <laughs> Beard, what did you think about this film? Hello, viewer Andrew. <laughs> Movie viewer. He's um, a viewer of movies. <laughs> you know, I have viewed a few movies in my life. And this one does so, have a desert in it. So yeah, yeah. I want to say right off the bat, I want to say right off the bat, this this movie really spoke to me because there's so much wandering in the desert. Mm. Uh, right <laughs> no, on, man. No, right just on. Just joking. But you know, in in being serious about it, yeah, this this movie was actually absolutely heartbreaking. It, like I agree with a lot of what you guys had said. It it was really heartbreaking to watch, and yeah, I agree. With, I, actually, I, I agree a lot with what Colin said. You, you did some great analysis. It was it was really raw. Um, and yeah. I agreed with Taylor points about how it was really well structured in that it didn't have a lot of exposition. Um, and it like walked a very narrow line of not like purposely withholding plot details in the hope of like keeping you invested and interested and wanting to learn more and slowly like piece together her life and why mm-hmm. it came to this point. Mm-hmm. And that's tough because sometimes you, you can obviously look, like lose your audience and be like, oh, I don't know what's going on or like whatever. Like, for example, I didn't know what was going on in the first scene where she, you know, like why she was like hitting the road to begin with. And then I realized after the fact, when she went back to Empire, that it was like she had, I, I guess, like moved out of her house and moved all her stuff into like a storage unit and mm-hmm. then, you know, came back later and said, OK, yeah, I don't need all this stuff anymore. Just mm-hmm. get rid of it. So it was, yeah, it was kind of a slow burn sort of thing, but I did feel satisfying i guess at the end when i like was able to connect all the dots and figure out like why that happened i thought it was interesting to kind of what you guys talked about how like everybody was really nice to her and I, I i didn't think about it in like a perspective of oh something bad should have happened i kind of I, I was actually more fixated on the fact that at many points throughout this movie lots of people offered her lots of different types of help and she almost always turned it down mm. And maybe like more specifically, she always turned down David or Dave, I think um, mm-hmm. he was going by Dave. You know, he he was like really interested in, in her. He like wanted to be a companion with her. And I think from the outside looking in, I think it would make sense that you're like, OK, you are on your own and you're having to adjust to a, le- a hard lifestyle. Like, yeah, if somebody wants to be there for you and be your companion as, as you adjust to this new lifestyle, I'd be like, wow, that'd be kind of welcome. But again, like as I learned more about her backstory i was like okay yeah she's like reeling from not only her husband dying but also having to like pack up and leave her home and like having to Mm -hmm. process those two things i think just like made her not available emotionally to kind of like let anybody else into her life she kind of needed to like just do it for herself Um, yeah so i thought it was i thought that was well done the way that was portrayed. yeah and that's a great point I feel like there was there was a lot of things going on that led to her taking the path she chose at the end. Not only the fact that she was not emotionally available for Dave, but also the fact that she realized that that's just not the life she wanted. I feel like that's kind of a big component. She just chose to be all, like a nomad. And <laughs> she just really liked that life. And she just chose that over the staying and being kind of living almost a mirror to her prior life where she was with a husband and lived in a house together. And, you know, she's already done that. She's just done with doing that. Mm -hmm. 
I was gonna say I just I love the, the the whole movie. I feel like the best way to surmise it is just like watching people deal with hardship and like loss and or inevitable loss. Like it was like I thought it was really heartbreaking, but really harrowing to listen to like other people who are nomads dealing with like terminal issues. You know, like with the, the woman I think had like lung cancer and she's like yeah. gonna go out like this. So I'm brain gonna, cancer. Oh yeah, well, yeah, it spread to brain cancer. Oh yeah, yeah. Swanky, um, her name yeah, was Swanky, yeah, yeah, and she was credited fight. in the comment or in the yeah. Like I think she was a real person. Yeah, she's she like one of the real nomads. Right. Um, yeah. But like her just being like, I want to go out on my own terms, and I think that's something that Vern is also coming to terms with. Right? Was like, what does she want, and what what's the best way to you know honor her husband's memory and. Similarly to to Bob with his son, like how do I best honor his memory? How do I help the most people? And I think that I don't know. I I really love that that messaging because it's it's you know it's tough to watch. Like you, Andrew, you said earlier, it's like this movie's honestly heartbreaking, like genuinely so. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, sorry, I'll keep talking. I'm sorry, I, I cut it. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. I I I appreciate hearing what you guys have to say. And, and David, yeah, you brought up a good point, too, about how, like, at the end, she did, like, choose to just kind of stick with this new lifestyle. And I thought that was also a sticky point that they they did navigate pretty well in the movie. Mm-hmm. My, my connection there is that, by sure coincidence, shortly before I watched this movie, like, maybe, I don't know, two weeks ago, I listened to one of my favorite NPR podcasts <laughs> and they um, talked, they, they had Bob Wells on that show. Like, Oh the wow. Actual, oh wow. Like, you know, the actual bearded yeah, guy. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. He, you know, he plays himself in this movie. <laughs> he was his authentic self. And what they were saying was true. He does. He's a very successful YouTuber now and has made van dwelling videos since the great recession. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, his backstory is interesting and, you know, I won't go into it, but it's pretty similar to what Fern experienced where, you know, like lost a job, you know, had other fallouts in her life or in his life. And, you know, it forced him to basically have to move and he had nothing. So he just lived in a van. Um, Mm -hmm. And the way I guess what kind of struck me was in the podcast, the way they I guess like one edge I was kind of. or one slant I was taking away from it was it, they kind of made it feel like a positive thing that he was doing this. And he felt, he felt like through this nomadic lifestyle, he became very enlightened with nature and that it was a, it was really good that he was helping lots of people who would otherwise be home, you know, uh, homeless, you know, have mm-hmm. a home in their van dwelling and that kind of thing. And I think I, I, I go back and forth on that because I see the positives and I see that, you know, guys like Bob Wells and, and eventually Fern at the end, I think could really appreciate the beauty of the world that they were seeing and appreciated their lifestyle. However, I couldn't help but think it's, it's different when you don't have a choice and it's, and it's like, it, and it, I, I made me angry that like people have to live this way and, and that's like their best option nowadays. Bob Wells makes like a six figure income from his like extremely successful YouTube videos, but he still chooses to live nomadically because, you know, that's the life he chose. But I think there is a really important distinction to make between like choosing this life and having to live this life. Yeah. Yeah. I think people are like, they're making the most of it, right. Where they they talk about connection to nature. And I think it's, 
because it's one of the few positives that comes with van life, right? Because you can be like, oh, I can go up to Alaska and you know kayak and all that stuff, and I think that's great. But I think a lot of people would rather go back to the life they had before the traumatic event. Like I feel like Fern would a million percent trade in all her van and all those experiences to have her husband back back in Empire, and I, I'm assuming Bob would also like want to have his son back and you know, have that experience. And I think they're, like you were saying, Andrew, I think they're just making the most of a situation that they're placed in. Well, I agree. I think that's one of the most powerful messages of the movie, which was touched on at the end by what Bob Wells was talking about when he did talk about his son. When he talked about how we sort of live in the past and live in our memories of others. And we think of what we had experienced rather than kind of setting our minds toward the future. And the t- the amount of time that we do spend living in the past versus taking advantage of the future is, I think, a lot of what this movie, or really the present, is a lot of what this movie shines. You know, as you mentioned, I'm sure Fern and Bob Wells would both love to go to the past and get those back, but they, they can't. And that's, that's the tough reality of it. And I think that that is what a lot of people in this movie are making the most of, is that they understand that they can't necessarily sit around and and live in once what was once what was but now they're trying to make the most of it and i think that fern's the best example of it i know that um beard you talked about how how you feel how it kind of puts some pain in your stomach when you see that people are forced to live this lifestyle and i feel like for fern it was a mix of a choice and as well forced to be to forced into this lifestyle because she couldn't and this is an assumption, I'm assuming she couldn't live a normal life without what she had with her husband yeah. and, and in the empire. She couldn't just move to another another area and, and start that life over again, which is seen yeah. by her relationship with Dave. And I you think know, that, that shows her making the most of this and setting out and okay. being as well, kind of kind of living how she was before before she met her husband. Right. Uh, where she talked with her sister about, oh, you moved out once you could, and then you left. She's she's kind of living her other self and mm-hmm. fulfilling that side. Right. Yeah. I, I think they talked about how like she continued mm-hmm. to live in Empire after, even after like the whole town left, right, for a little bit. Like they were like, oh yeah, like Bob passed or um, Bo passed away, and um, like you you kept living there and you you kept picking up random jobs, and I think she tried to like keep spinning that that narrative in her head of like continuing on like for the sake of Bo and like it just couldn't happen yeah so this well, is how she I, felt. I think there's that really great visual imagery where she's got the door open to her backyard and the fence mm-hmm. is open and she talked up earlier about how you can just walk straight out to the desert and the mountains and yet she was anchored in that town not really free mm-hmm. and so then she realizes that she has to let go of that of that whole empire and and bow and move on and recognize that she will see him somewhere down the road. And that's like what the nomadic lifestyle is all about and moving on from your worldly possessions and kind of becoming that enlightened being that Bob is talking about. However, on the other hand, I do agree with you beard that, you know, this movie and, and Chad that this movie kind of romanticizes that and also makes it such that every time that she would be facing an obstacle there were people that were from her prior life, basically, that were that would like come in and help her out. Like she didn't ever have to f- suffer the consequences of being a nomad. Like at the beginning, the the person she meets in the 
like sporting store it says hey you can come live with us anytime like you know if you need a place to stay for sure come hang it like come over to our place and we'll we'll have you over anytime and there's always people saying like oh you know can, how can we help you the sister helps her with the van payments there's like all these people helping her out and it's kind of like what you said beard she doesn't have to live this lifestyle she could she has outs and that isn't really like the focus of the film like they don't really focus on the fact that there are some people that have to live like this they don't have a choice so yeah that's a great point yeah david i think yeah like the scene you're talking about where she's back home with her sister and her family i think is one of the best scenes in the entire film in my opinion because you get to see and I don't remember who talked about it, but there wasn't a ton of interaction between people of different classes in this film. And this is one of those scenes where you finally get to see traditional, you know, American dream lifestyle, like middle, upper middle class versus nomad life, lower class. And you get to see the the battle of these ideologies. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very tiny because obviously it's still family. But the thing that I really enjoyed about this scene especially for me is I constantly throughout the film, I'm thinking if I was in her situation, what would I do? And I think Mm -hmm. the film does a great job of trying to get those thoughts out of you. But my first thought is always like, okay, I'm halfway across the country. I've lost the only family that I have out here. I've lost my job. I've lost my home. I've lost my entire town. Like I'm going to turn to my family. Like if my parents are still alive, like I'll turn to my parents or my sister or like, I'll fall back on the people that I would consider to be very, very close to in life. Mm -hmm. And for me, when she goes back to her family and her family's like, you can live here. Like, I know you left, but we really like having you around. Like we never see you like come and just live here. And she goes, I can't live here. I can't live this life. I can't live in this room, like in this bed. Like for me, it was one of those things where it was like, she is definitely choosing this life. Mm hmm. But also, like, it's her way to process this grief. Like, mm-hmm. you can definitely feel like she's not going to be able to move forward with her life and get the emotional, like, clarity and stability and closure that she needs living the traditional life that she had already with Bo. And I thought it was a very, very powerful scene to see that, like, she still has support and she still has love. And the nomad lifestyle, while it's forced for a lot of people is also a very cathartic experience that can lead to a lot of healing and a lot of development. And it's through struggle and pain that people can really start to heal. And I, I thought that scene with her family, especially for me, because that was like, in my mind, I'm always like, that's where I would go. Like, that's what I would do. So to see her go there and have that experience and then still Mm -hmm. go, uh, this won't help me. Like, this is not what I need right now. And then still move on with it. And then basically do it again when she decides to like go and spend time with Dave's family. Like I thought like, Oh, maybe now like she's like ready to move on and like can have a more traditional life. And she still was like, no, I need to go back to empire. Like I, I really appreciated that scene. And you guys just talking about that a little bit, like brought up, like for me, that was like a real emotional turning point, a real emotional, like, thought-provoking time like um scene in the movie yeah i agree with that there's there's two things i want to mention one chad i want to build off your point i also 
when, when you're talking about that interaction that the family had, the interaction between classes, I thought it was interesting that when she is back home at a very casual gathering, which does seem normal to people that are in middle class and, and upper middle classes, that they'll talk about their job. They're talking about their job, their, how, how, the, how they're making money, things along those lines. And the interaction yeah, that's a great point. with the other nomads, that stuff isn't mentioned. You know, maybe it's, Maybe it's, hey, I'm going here to get this job, but it's not focused on anything similar to keeping up with the Joneses or just anything really monetary value like a lot of the conversations are about fulfillment and about and, and our real conversations about how are you doing and nothing to try and show off or even show off how you're doing financially and show off how how your life is. It's all a piece of connection. And I thought that that was one of the most interesting aspects of the movie is showing kind of really showing more than telling that money does not buy happiness. We got to see these people who are not focused on gaining a lot of monetary value throughout their life, that they, rather for better or for worse, are now in this nomad lifestyle. And they are getting to experience a lot of things that many people across the United States and really across the world are not able to experience and have a different set of fulfillment. And I believe that that just shows that you don't necessarily need the highest paying job to get the most out of life. And I say that, of course, there are people out there that are struggling and that, and I, and I say that, I don't want to say with a grain of salt, but with a certain with a certain like piece to it, that there are, are people out there that are struggling to make ends meet. And I'm not necessarily saying that they're better off, but what I'm saying is that these people who are nomads are going out and having experiences that many people don't get to have right. and don't get to take the fulfillment of the of being able to go to these visitor centers, go to all this. If you notice, all the activities she did were free. She went to these, uh, she went to see the mountains, uh, the kayaking. Yeah, I think you probably have to rent the kayak, but you can go out and, and do what you want there. She went to the zoo and got to do all these things that didn't require a down payment or very, at least very little. And she made the most of them and you could see the fulfillment that she got. And I just thought that that was shown very well. Right. I, mean, solid, I, the, right? I was going to say, like, I really like the that scene initially where the the nomadic woman she was talking about how she was she had a coworker who like worked all his life and then um, was like you know 62 or something and he had uh, some sort of cancer and he had to go into hospice and then the HR director like called him and they were like can we t talk about your retirement or something like 10 10 days before uh, he passed away and he's like he had a boat yeah. that he bought try like planning on on taking out once he retires and it sat in his parking lot and he's like. And the woman said, she's like, I don't want to have my boat sit in a parking lot. Like, I want to sail my boat. Mm -hmm. so I think it's, yeah, I think there's a the middle ground, like Hunter, you're talking about, like there are people who are forced in this scenario. And I think there's some certain people just want to, you know, similar to the Dead Poets Society, they want to carpe diem their lives. You know, they mm -hmm. don't they don't want to be shackled to a desk for their whole life. They want to be something and, and do something and experience something with the time that they have. Yeah, that's a great reference. Very on point. So the second thing I wanted to mention, you, I, I agree with everything mentioned. This was a very raw movie, and I enjoyed how raw this was. And it, it definitely was tough to watch at times. But um, we've we've seen 
three movies, at least that I can count off the top of my head, that show a certain aspect of life that is not really talked about in at least for the times the movies were released. That isn't talked about a lot in in in, in culture widely widely talked about, which is we saw ordinary people talking about mental health and as well issues in the households that was released in the 80s. And that was very poignant for the time. Dead Poets Society, again, it, talking about pursuing what you want and the disparity between sometimes what kids want and what their parents want for them. And that addressed that topic. And now we've seen this, which addresses the topic of being a nomad and really how people are for sometimes can be forced out of one type of society or forced out of their lives due to a circumstance and make the most of a different part. And I just want to say that I thoroughly appreciate the crew in general, the directors, producers, actors, everybody that comes together to make these movies, because without them, I feel that it would be tough to broaden our perspective on things out there. And these movies, even though sometimes they might not be the most enjoyable in the sense where you leave happy, I think they play a very large role in our society in letting us have these conversations about what other people are experiencing and allow us to just view different perspectives. I think that was really well said on. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Those are great references to other movies that have captured those ideas. I'm surprised you left out Lighthouse. Um, for teaching us what it's like to live in a lighthouse. Exactly. In, in the, um, the 1910s. <laughs> Very relevant. Um, but yeah. yeah those super, are, super, super realistic. Um, the last piece I wanted to mention, which nobody's mentioned so far, so I'm excited to talk about it, is the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. uh, I, th when this movie was, when the soundtrack was playing, I actually recognized the composer right away. Uh, it is, the composer is Ludovico Inaudi who is a composer that I love. The music was playing, it was about 20 minutes in, and I said, no, no freaking way. I said, I, I know this music anywhere. And he is a composer that I listen to on the regular, who has done absolutely beautiful pieces. And I actually have some of this stuff already, the stuff from this movie already in a playlist. And I thought that his music fit this movie perfectly and it is a shame that it cannot be nominated for an oscar because 80 percent for a film score to be nominated for an oscar 80 percent of it must be new and while 80 percent mm. of this is not new a lot of it is music that he has composed in the past that is just assigned to this movie which is a shame that it cannot be nominated because i thought the score for this movie was just incredible thought it was great yeah the score was really great and it definitely really helped build the atmosphere and 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 honestly push the story forward at points so yeah straight up good point <laughs> uh hunter do you have any other thoughts to share with us uh yeah the last thought would be so we talked about that the shot of when fern was in the house looking back at the desert and uh, I'm going to need viewers, if you look at if you look at your phone right now, you're going to see the image that I'm showing to David and everybody. So look at the podcast. You, you guys, the viewers might not be able to see this, actually, but it is very representative of a picture that we sent in our group chat when we were watching Kill Bill that shows an old Western movie that I'm blanking on the name. It's a very famous shot of the Cowboy. searchers, uh, the searchers. 
from the searchers cowboy looking into the house and the door is open to the desert and then from kill bill when beatrix kiddo uma thurman is sitting at the edge of the church and the door and it is showing the shot of the desert in the background her standing in the doorway that last shot with Fern, one of the final shots with Fern sitting in the door was very representative of that. And I just wanted to call that out because I thought that was a cool connection. Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't even catch that, which I really should have <laughs> at this point. But yeah, that's that's a great point. There's a lot of really good filmmaking techniques. I did really enjoy the cinematography for this film and just mm-hmm. the way that it very much captured the moving nature of being a nomad and all the different locales that she went to. And I felt like the cinematography also did a good job of remaining neutral. Didn't really cast terrible shadows on people or really like put a lot of things in focus. There was a lot of those big shots where everything's in focus and it just kind of captures the environment and lets you be there with Fern on her journey. So I thought that was really great. I do have a few other random thoughts. I just really loved some of the names for the vans vanguard i believe was fern's van's name and then there's paint because she takes me where i ain't thought that was amazing i love Uh, how people like get so attached to their vans i mean it makes a lot of sense but i like how people are so like proud of their their vans it's like their babies yeah 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 that that was awesome um so i loved getting to know the the nomads and just kind of seeing the interesting cast of characters I also loved how realistic this movie was. Like the fact that Dave has his pin number taped on the inside of his phone was hilarious to me. I love that. <laughs> that was a great detail. And I felt like it really built his character. I mean, it's just one of those simple things. And I, I, I like the character of Dave for what he represented and kind of what he brought to the film. Um, I also had a great name, but you know, uh, I don't know. And I also felt like this film did a really good job of being a more realistic uh, presentation of America. I, I know we've discussed our criticisms of it being too nice to the nomads, but I feel like it still was very realistic and showed a more real picture of America than most movies do, which is something I read in a review, of course. So I'm not just going to pretend I came up with that myself. But yeah, so I don't know. There's a lot of really interesting stuff going on in this film. Also, the dude who gave a star talk halfway through the film, that was a great star talk. I used to teach the astronomy merit badge, so trust me, it was a good star talk. <laughs> and also the part line when he was like, "Oh yeah, it's 24 light years away." He was like, "Oh yeah, the, the light that came from off, um, that star came over in like 1987." Yeah, like, oh, my God, that's that's how it works, isn't it? I don't know why that like hit me in such a way. And I was like, "Oh, that was so profound." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a uh, luddite when it comes to science. So, <laughs> oh, Colin, one day I'll give you a star talk, and then you'll yes. know everything. One, one day I'm gonna get a merit badge. We're yeah. hanging out with like three Eagle Scouts on this podcast. So yeah. someone's got to have to do it for me. Yep. So yeah, there's a lot of great stuff. By the way, there's this movie Vibes channel on YouTube that I watched to get a, a better understanding of the ending. Because I know when I finished this film, it was pretty confusing for me, um, given that there's kind of multiple plots almost from my point of view. So that's I would recommend checking that video out if you didn't understand this film and this didn't help. Just putting that out there. Do you guys have any other thoughts to share before we go to ratings? Yeah, I got one. I think just slightly broader than the scope of this movie, I think this is kind of another installment for me in movies about the Great Recession, which 
I find interesting because like for me, you know, I was like 12, right. When this all happened in 2008. Yeah. And like, when you're that age, you just don't like, don't really understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like coming from a fairly privileged lifestyle, like it, it just did not like affect my life whatsoever. And so it's like kind of weird to go back and learn about some of these things that happened and like how severe and impactful this was to lots and lots of people. Yeah. Even though like I didn't see any of that myself. So it's kind of interesting. Twilight movies, like the big short, which, you know, kind of takes it. It's a take on the great recession in like a totally different way. But yeah, that um, movie's awesome as well. Yeah. Or otherwise just like economics, like documentaries about like what happened that led to this. And yeah, it's, it's, I guess just like personally for me, it's just interesting that every like movie I watch, it kind of like adds a new element to it. And yeah. I learn more and more about how catastrophic this was yeah it was only like 10 years ago yeah yeah that's a great point i forgot can't believe we haven't really touched on this but that when i went into this movie given that it's a 2020 film i just kind of assumed this was about now like covid times so when it starts up and it talks about how in 2011 the empire gypsum mine was closed and the town was shut down I was like, oh, this movie is taking place in a different time that I than I expected. Um, but it, I feel like this movie would be very at place in the 2020 atmosphere. For and sure. and I, it, it really made me think a lot throughout the movie, like how much worse would this be like today? Because nowadays, I mean, I'm, these people can all get together and and be together. But in 2020, I mean, there's that fear of the ma- uh, of the like the virus kind of stifling all of that gathering and making it harder and honestly isolating people even more. So I just felt like all the services and the jobs that she was taking would be much harder and scarier to do today. And uh, that reflection was also poignant, especially given the time that this movie was released. Yeah, I agree. That was, I I was blanking on, there was, there was a piece that I was forgetting about when I was talking about, (laughs) When we all talked about the scene where Fern goes back to her family and they were talking about real estate, that was it because it was just after the Great Recession. And I couldn't remember. I was disgusted in the movie. And that was why, because they're talking about everybody putting their money inside of homes and talking about how real estate's going back up. And so mm-hmm. it had affected so many people's lives. And they're sitting here saying, yeah, cool. People are now trusting us again. So they're going to give us more money. And it's sort of it was sort of gross so kind of hearing that a little bit just because in my mind i'm thinking geez there are people who are are homeless are 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 nomads are have their lives much worse because they did put their money inside of homes and they trusted the system Mm -hmm. and ultimately it broke and it destroyed so many people's lives and put so many people worse off than before and so that part was a little tough to watch, and I, I, I forgot to mention that because I, I was blinking on the exact reason. That was a great point, David, bringing it back that this is this did happen right after the recession. Yeah, and that's going back to the big short, there's parts in that movie where they talk about the fact that these some of these bankers are encouraging people to buy like fifth and sixth homes, like just ridiculous amounts of debt because it was so cheap. And then when the when the shoe dropped, just man, people's lives were absolutely devastated. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot of cool philosophy that goes into behind this movie that, again, made it very heavy and difficult for me to watch. Like I literally 
I would just watch a little bit. It would drop this huge thought-provoking nugget of, of ideas, and, and then I would have to just turn off the film and process that for a while before I could go back and continue watching because I just felt like there was so much going on. Um, so just to segue into my scores, I actually, for that reason and, and a few others, gave this movie an enjoyability score of six. And then, but that's pretty much the lowest thing I, I gave it. Most of my stuff was nines and eights, the acting being a 10. So overall, this film came in at a 78 for me, which is pretty high. Uh, that ties with Kill Bill Volume 2, for the record. And it does beat Mank. So I hope you're happy. <laughs> Proud of you, David. You finally did it. <laughs> All right, boys, we made it. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to pass it over to Colin. What did you rate this film? Yeah, I, uh, I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. I, I don't know. I think it was really good. I, I, I think this is in a category of movie where you can think about and you can like reflect on it, but you're not jumping to like, you know, load it in on Hulu again, like anytime soon, just because it is mm-hmm. so heavy and it's so dense and it's, I don't know, you really can feel about it. You empathize with the characters and it, I don't know. I feel like this is like a, a good book that like it really, like we were saying before is like, it puts you in a different perspective. It really enlightens your worldview but it's not necessarily the most fun time, but it's it's a very important time, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, yeah, and I, similar to what we were saying before, acting's incredible. Um, I, yeah, the, the music is great. The, the atmosphere, cinematography, all that jazz, it was a very great time. And I, I think it's, it should, I, I am not surprised that it won, you know, best picture of the Golden Globes and, um, or best director, one of the two. Um, it's deserving of both in my eyes. I think it was fantastic, but um, yeah, I, I think it's definitely a movie I'm going to recommend, but maybe not necessarily one I'm going to watch again in the next few months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot to go on in, in this film. Beard, what did you rate this film? Yeah, I, I give this movie a pretty high score. Yeah, like you guys said, um, high scores in acting and profoundness. Ten for both of those. And uh, I also gave nine for character involvement because, um, you know, being a character study, I think um, that deserves some pretty high points. I gave it 77 overall, uh, which puts it around uh, number 50 on my list. Um, and mm. just like you, David, I actually gave it the exact same score as Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2 as well. <laughs> nice. Um, so, yeah, it's right up there with Oh, it actually. OK, this is kind of interesting, too. It's it scored one point above. Into the Wild, another kind of wander, like out west, enlightenment, um, nomadic type of movie. So it's interesting, especially because I know personally that that movie made or that at least the book made a big impact on you. So yeah, I I think Chad and David, um, I like made you guys both read that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed the book. I haven't seen the movie, but I enjoyed the book. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, definitely one of my favorite books, just as an aside. And as a, another aside, um, Into the Wild is on Netflix right now. So if Ooh. you if you got the itch, go watch it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Beard. Uh, Chad, what did you rate this film? Well, I am pretty similar to, to all of you guys. Really strong acting, uh, really strong cinematography with some of the shots and some of the beauty of the naturescapes as well. The enjoyability was a little bit low. Definitely a, a, not the type of film where if I'm scrolling for something on a Saturday night, I'm going to pop this on and be like, oh, heck yeah, Nomadland. <laughs> but 
it's definitely something that I am glad that I've watched once. Mm-hmm. And typically when I'm thinking about like how profound these films are, I think about like what we talk about in our discussions and films where we spend the entire time talking about like all oh, the like the music was really great and the cinematography was really great and we had some problems with this plot and stuff. When we talk about like film things, I usually end up leaning towards like, okay, it's not that profound. Mm-hmm. And then discussions where it's almost entirely like, man, this maybe this movie made me feel this way or think about these things or like I, you know, applied some of the themes that they were trying to portray to my own life. Uh, like we talked about with Dead Poet Society last week where we were like, you know, I was thinking about Carpe Diem and seizing the day and what am I doing with my life and all those mm-hmm. things. That to me is a very, very profound movie because it's trying to get viewers to think about their life and maybe see things in a different perspective. And I thought that was the strongest aspect of this film in the sense that like, you know, David, just what you were talking about, there were some really, really heavy scenes and some really dense topics that you almost have to pause and like, all right, let me unpack that for a little bit. Like, let me think about all of these things and emotions and thought provoking ideas that just went into this. So mm-hmm. I got strong scores and profoundness and cinematography, um, acting and character development. I came in fairly close to you guys, just a little bit under at a 74. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great point, Chad, about profoundness. And I'm really glad you brought that up because sometimes it's hard to wrap my head around all these scoring metrics and exactly what they mean to us. Um, so that was a, a, grid, a good little aside. Um, and uh, on that note, I actually rated it in a profoundness score of eight. Um, and I would have given it like a 10. I think there's a lot going on in this film, but I felt like it was kind of hard to follow. Like there was just so much that I had a hard time really piecing it all together. And that kind of made me lower the score a little bit because at the end of the day, I'm really trying to take away what the film wants me to take away. And if I have a hard time getting all of that, I can't fully rate it. Does that make sense? I think that's a very fair criticism because I did end up knocking down plot just a little bit. Um, I didn't want to take away from profoundness for some of the jumps that happened throughout the film. So I I knocked down plot just a little bit because... I really felt like it was a real thinker of a film, but I yeah. definitely, I agree with that criticism. Cool. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, the Hunter that leaves you, what did you rate this film? I see. It's funny. Now I'm in Chad's position of going last and I feel like I'm just echoing what everybody else is saying. I'm trying to find something new, <laughs> but I, I completely agree. <laughs> Again, I'm going to echo Chad's point on profoundness. There are movies that there again there are a lot of movies that we've seen that have been profound that don't necessarily have the strongest plot and i agree this is one of them where we didn't necessarily get to learn a lot about what friend's life was when her husband was alive and we didn't really get to see that that was one of my criticisms and one of my mom's criticisms of this is that Mm -hmm. she wanted to see what life was like before the recession so she could really see that friend's journey from before and after and really understand Fern as a character and kind mm-hmm. of have more of that full circle. Um, so that was that I think that's the biggest criticism that I have. But overall, I gave this movie high marks in what was said acting cinematography. I gave it a high mark in soundtrack because I thought the soundtrack was phenomenal. I thought I just thought Ludovico and Audi, uh, his music plays great <laughs> with everything seen from the emotion that it evokes to showing the just various landscapes. 
And I as well thought that profoundness was phenomenal. I gave it a nine. And so overall, I gave it a 77. So for me, for context, that rates higher than Superbad and Dead Poets Society. And I would compare this to just any type of experience where you leave your house and you return thinking differently. It could be it could be an experience such as camping, such as going to a different area in the States, such mm-hmm. as trying something new. But it is an experience for me. This is this is going to change the way that I that, that, that I move forward, my views moving forward. It's going to change how I view nomads and, and the perspective that I have, at least on van life. And you talked about the YouTubers that we see starting off. It's going to change my perspective of how that's glorified and the disparity of those that choose van life and make the decision to invest in that versus those that are forced into and Mm -hmm. how those lives and the daily and how each day looks, how it's different. You know, it's just this movie was very profound and has definitely impacted how I view all of that. Yeah. Well, I think I think we've done a good job of covering what this film encapsulates and uh, giving it a good review. One thing I will point out, we've been talking amongst ourselves in the back about uh, about potentially watching a Marvel film in the future. And I will say the next, one of the upcoming Marvel films called Eternals is going to be directed by Chloe Zhao, the same director as Nomadland. So potentially maybe we'll watch that. Maybe that'll be a good entry point for our Marvel escapades. That doesn't come out for a long time. I know. <laughs> I think Beard will be pleased. <laughs> it's not coming out for a while. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. I uh, hope you have a great week. As a reminder, next week we'll be watching the documentary Free Solo on Disney+. And feel free to watch it in advance. If you enjoyed what you listened to today, feel free to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you can. And you can email us at ampedaboutmovies at gmail.com if you'd like to share your thoughts or movie suggestions for the future. We really appreciate you taking the time and uh, hope you have a great rest of your week. Peace. This is a public talk radio. Thank you for listening.